Nexus Church is all about cultivating an authentic Christian community where old and young alike journey with Jesus and are transformed by the gospel. May we be challenged and inspired by the power of His Word. We're, uh, we're continuing through our series, and we took a couple of weeks break. We're, we're in this series called Holy Chosen Loved, which we, um, again, we've got a beautiful picture of a serial killer behind us that's holy chosen and loved. And it's thank you, Yolanda, for pointing that out. But it's, uh, it's a series we've been working through because these are three things that describe a believer, holy, chosen, and loved. And uh, we've gone through holy, we've gone through chosen, and then we had a couple of weeks break because our team from Japan came back and, and that was incredible to have you all back. And we're so pleased that you're all back. I can kind of see you scattered throughout. Uh, and I want to let you know, um, arigato gozaimasu. Uh, yeah. Namai wa watashi wa Andy des. And Orangi Okudasai. So I've essentially said, what's your name? My name's Andy and one orange, please. So it's uh, all the essential phrases. And Mino, was that good? It's good? Yeah, it's, it's perfect. All right. Nailed it. It's not written here because I can't read Japanese writing. So it's, uh, I can only read English. But they were here and that was a couple of weeks ago. And then Pastor Josh and Liz last week shared with us around rest and the importance of stopping. Uh, and so we're jumping back into our series again tonight. And we're up to the third one, Loved. And this is the one that I, I feel like it almost needs no explanation, but the truth is it almost needs the most time for each of us to spend in it. it uh, it's, it's the one that each of us need to daily have that revelation in our heart that we are loved. And it's, uh, we like to think we know it. And uh, I asked the team to sing that song specifically because we're going to be working through um, one of the parables of Jesus that I'm sure you've heard before. And it's the parable that that song's talking about. It's the lost sheep. And uh, being lost is something that, all of us understand. As, as parents, um, I know we're not all parents, but I'm saying as a parent, um, it's something that when your child is lost, it is one of the most frightening things that can happen. When you're at home, you're, it, this happened to Ree and I recently, we were just, I think I was doing something in the yard and Ree was doing something upstairs and, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, I'm like, where is Sparrow? And it's always Sparrow, she's our four-year-old daughter and if there is silence in our house, something is happening. Either she's colouring herself in, she's colouring her room in, she's colouring our dog in, she's, uh, she's found something in a pantry to eat that she probably wasn't meant to eat, but she's, she's usually quite noisy, but when she's doing something she shouldn't, it goes silence. And so when we, when we hear silence, Ree and I for a moment think, how serene is this? How good is life? A bit of silence. And then we go, uh-oh, Sparrow's on the move. Sparrow is doing something and the first thing we do is we go to each other and we say do you know where Sparrow is and I'm like no and Ree's like no and they're like it's all good let's do our rounds we start doing our rounds and walking around the house and just calling kind of calmly like Sparrow where have you gone where are you Sparrow and it's um, our neighbors probably think we're going a bit loopy thinking we're talking to birds but um <laughs> that's okay and then, it, and then it goes up a notch, and you're like, okay, she's doing well here. Usually she's responded to us by now. And it goes, the intensity goes up, and you're like, Sparrow, where are you? Sparrow. And then you start jogging. Then your feet start moving. And then you cross each other's paths, and you start blaming each other as well. And that always goes down really well. Um, why didn't you have your eyes on her? Like, who knows where she is now? And your intensity builds and builds and builds to the point that you become frantic. And as a parent, when you reach that frantic point, 
It's, it's not a good time for anybody. You start thinking about calling the SES. You, you're going, where are they? And, and you even do quite dire things. Like your brain goes, it's, it's quite amazing what the brain does, but you look in areas that clearly a child couldn't be. Be like, maybe she's crawled into that cupboard where there's space for just a book. Maybe she's crawled into the shower. In, and the, all of these things. And eventually we found her. She was under the doona in our bed sleeping, but she's so little, she just looks like a pillow. So... We were fine, but your brain goes somewhere that thinks the worst. Oh my goodness, what has happened? Has someone nicked her off the street? Has someone, even though we've got a compound for a house, have they grabbed her and gone? Or has she somehow gotten stuck and something's gone wrong? She's knocked herself out or Moose has done something. She's probably trying to ride him and who knows. But all these things. And your brain goes frantic. And, and this story of being lost and found is something throughout the scriptures we find uh, quite a bit. And it's one we want to jump into together tonight. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn with me to Luke 15. And it's, we're going to read from verses 1 to 7. And it reads this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is a pretty incredible passage and uh, whenever we read scripture, we naturally will put ourselves in the story somewhere here. Clearly we're not the shepherd. Clearly that's not the case, but... I've got to be honest, when I read this, more often than not, I place myself in the category of the 99. Similar to when we read the prodigal son, more often than not, I put myself in the category of the brother that doesn't go and squander his life, but is just as lost, even though he's still within the house of the father. And these 99, there's a danger for us in in just staying as the 99 and just viewing ourselves as the 99. And we're going to jump into that because within this particular passage, there's two groups of people that are being spoken to, that Jesus is teaching. Firstly, there's the tax collectors and the sinners who have drawn near to Jesus. And this has really offended the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're found kind of muttering in the background. And uh, I think what Jesus is doing here, something that I like to call... um, parental gaslighting, you know, in a way. It's, uh, you, you almost have a script that you'll talk to one another, and I might say to Ray, well, if only the girls had cleaned their room, then we'd be able to go out for a beautiful dinner. And I'm saying it to Ray, but I'm saying it so that my kids can hear it, hoping that they will clean their room. And essentially what Jesus is doing through these parables is he is talking to the tax collectors and the sinners, knowing that the Pharisees and the scribes are listening on, and uh, he has a message for them at the same time as he has a message for the tax collectors and the scribes. Uh, also, if you're a little bit warm, I have put on the air conditioning. Uh, last week, I wasn't here, and um, Ree was meeting leading, and she shared one of my most vulnerable things. She shared that one my, my superpower is sweating. It's, uh, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but if it happens, just be okay with it, all right? This is, a, this is a safe place, and it's all out there now, so if you're getting chilly, it's because it's for my comfort, so 
Sorry about it. Message James if you want the temperature changed. Um, his phone will be going nuts right now, so that's good. All right, so we're going to jump into these two groups of people and, and have a bit of a look at what Jesus is, is trying to convey or the message that he is teaching through these parables. So let's start with the Pharisees and the scribes. And I want to start with this. Before we even get into the parable, they're found around Jesus muttering, muttering to one another. They're basically talking to each other saying, who is this guy? How dare he eat with sinners? How dare he eat with tax collectors? And, and this was a real issue for them because their whole lives and their, their whole career as Pharisees was about staying clean, staying pure, and uh, doing everything that they could to do this, even to the point. So there was a group, and their name has left my brain, but there was a group of Pharisees that were like the elite Pharisees, and they actually lived apart from the community. They lived away from everyone, would not even have anything to do with those who were ordinary folk, like, like you and I. They wouldn't have anything to do with them because they believed that if they even came in contact in the street, that it would make them unclean. And so they lived their whole lives just doing what they could to stay away. But the, the normal Pharisees, the ones that are, that are in this particular um, scripture, they would still go about normal life. But there was a place that, that wasn't allowed to be unclean, and that was their dinner table. That was their home. So they refused to invite people in because in their mind, if they could keep the rituals uh, of purity and, and being clean before God in their home, they would be clean. And so this idea that Jesus would eat with tax collectors, that he would eat with sinners, that he would invite them into his home to eat was just the most scandalous thing. And um, tax collectors in their day, they were a scandalous people. But within this passage, we see that the Pharisees were far more scandalous in, in what they were saying, and they were muttering in the background because of this fact. And, and I actually just want to say, throughout Scripture, when people mutter, complain, and grumble, they stay stuck. They stay right where they are, and they don't get out of it. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you're muttering or complaining or, or looking around and going, man, what's this? Why is that? Maybe it's justified, but you're going to stay stuck. You're not going to be able to move on. Those who complain, remain. There you go. Put that on a bumper sticker. How you going? Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so they were muttering and, and they were grumbling around Jesus. And so he tells these three parables. And uh, so why was Jesus addressing the Pharisees? Why did, why did he want to say something about this? And, and I believe that the way that he shares this, and, and scholars would also say the way that he did this Ezekiel 34 would have been in their mind and he wanted to call them out for, the, for what they were doing because they were the spiritual elite. They were the ones that were meant to be leading the way for the Jews and, and providing a space for them to worship and, and to follow God. But they weren't doing it in a good way. In Ezekiel 34, and you can imagine this, this passage being in their mind as, as Jesus told this, uh, this parable. Ezekiel 34 says this, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, so the Pharisees, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, whenever it says thus says the Lord, it's a serious thing coming on, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Down to verse four, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. So as he shares this parable, the Pharisees have this understanding of what a shepherd is. They have an understanding of the shepherd that seeks out the lost sheep. And in Jesus sharing this parable, 
they would have in their minds been going, are we the shepherds, the bad shepherds that are being rebuked in that passage in Ezekiel? And it would have cut straight to their heart. You see, the, the Pharisees had lost their way. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for someone to come along that was uh, in line with their bias. Let's say it that way. They wanted a Messiah that thought the same things that they did, but were a better version of them. Jesus was not that. Jesus came and did something far greater. He did the opposite to what they thought should be done. And he was going out and doing the very things that they were not doing. He was strengthening the weak. He was healing the sick. He was bounding up the injured. He was bringing back the stray and he was sorting out the lost. He was doing what the Messiah was meant to do. And the Pharisees could not stand this. You see, in John 3, 17, it says this verse. It says, and you all know John 3, 16, and we'll jump to that in a second, but 3, 17 is, is just as powerful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why the Pharisees were muttering. Jesus was not condemning the people that they were condemning. And this frightened them. This was so far outside their paradigm of, of what a spiritual leader should be doing that it just hurt them to the core. But I want to say, we kind of do this in a way at times. You know, we love to categorise people. We love to say, these are the ones that are clean, these are the ones that are unclean. We don't necessarily use that language, but we naturally do it. I think even within Christian circles, we'll, we have levels of sin, and we go, well, that person's doing that thing, oh, but that person's only doing that thing. And we, we naturally categorise. Even at the moment, there's a, there's a big vote happening, and we use it to divide. Some people are saying, I'm a, I'm a yes, and another person saying, I'm a no, I'm only about being a no, and I'm not going to tell you one way or the other, because that's not my job, but I am going to say that your identity is not in your vote. Your identity is not in the thing that divides our nation. Your identity is in Christ, and we have to be aware of it, that we're not called to categorise people. I love that um, within this parable, the shepherd leaves for one sheep. You've got to have a look here about the value of that sheep. If he had a hundred sheep and one leaves, this is one percent of his flock. He's willing to risk 99 percent of his flock for the one percent. And that right there lets you know how God values people. His threshold for people is so much higher than ours. You know, um, we all have a different threshold for, for things we want to pick up off the ground. So, again, my daughters, the threshold is basically, is it not dirt? I'll pick it up. Is it not dirt? I will stop and I will get it, especially if it's a feather, if it's a button, if it's shiny, extra good, if it's a special rock, how good. But as you mature and as you grow up in life, your threshold also goes up. For me, I'm not stopping for nothing that ain't golden, you know? There was a lot of negatives there. Essentially, what I was saying is it has to be gold to pick it up. Um, and then as you get older and older, maybe you're even going, I'm not even stopping for a coin now. No chance. I'm not going to stop if it's a note. I remember one time I was driving home and uh, after I'd, I'd been with some friends and, and I saw on the road these little bits of paper. Like I think there were about eight bits of paper floating around and they were very yellow and they were shaped just like a $50 note. And I went, that is worth turning around my car for and having a look. And... Praise God, it was eight $50 notes. Come on, rise and build. There you go. Yeah, yeah, so good. 
But we've all got a different threshold for what we're, what we're willing to stop and, and pick up. But I want to ask the same thing with people. What's your threshold for people? What's the threshold for, for saying that someone's worth stopping for? What's your threshold for saying that person's worth inviting into my home? What's your threshold for saying, I'm going to share the love of Christ with that person. I'm going to share patience. I'm going to share joy. I'm going to share peace with that person. You know, for some of us, that, that threshold might be age. You might say, I'm only willing to engage with people that are over 15 years old because anything younger than that, they just frustrate me. They drive me crazy. Or maybe you say, I, I can't engage with anyone over 50 years old because I just can't do it. You've got a threshold there. Or, or maybe it's intelligence. Maybe if someone's not, not clever enough for you and can't hold that conversation and, and, and speaks on the same level as you, you don't have time for them. You're not willing to stop and engage with them. One that's very evident in our world right now, what's their sexuality? Do you have a threshold with someone's sexuality? If they're, only if they're straight, only if they're single will I talk with them. Now, all of these things are... And, we, and I'm, I'm just saying this because we have to be aware of them in our own hearts. They make their way in and they, they very quickly, similar to the Pharisees, they become, they become things that show an in and an out, the clean and the unclean. And, and Jesus, he is our model. He is our one that shows that his threshold is right down on the ground. He has no threshold when it comes to people. He is absolutely willing to engage in anyone and go after anyone. Even the fact that he, he decided to use a shepherd in this parable, it's kind of beautiful. Like, yes, it had the connotations that the Pharisees would have known, but shepherds were looked down on. He could have picked any other uh, thing, but, but in saying a shepherd, you've got to think about the tax collectors and the sinners. They're going, he picked a shepherd. He picked a person that's kind of on our level. We can engage with that. I kind of like that he, that he picked that, which is a, a good thing that he does. But he was not willing to confirm the Pharisees' bias. He was not willing to stoop to their level and he was not willing to have an us and a them. And so really simply, I just want to ask, are you more worried with your own purity and cleanliness and organised life over reaching those that you're coming in contact with? Are you more interested in how you're being perceived than the people that we're called to reach? Are you more interested in how people see you in your life and, and your reputation over the love and peace that you could be ministering to someone else in, in any given moment. Because very quickly, we can become like the Pharisees and we just have to be aware of that. Each of us have to be aware of it. You know, in this room, there'd be people that would say, on all ends of the spectrum, and I've got to say, we've all got a bit of all of this in us. We all have a tendency to be Pharisees at times and we all have a tendency to be the outcasts at times. But we need to allow the Spirit to identify those things and, and to just allow them to put them to the side and go, am I becoming elite? Am I becoming one of those in and out people? Or am I someone that, as Jesus did, was willing to eat and invite in whoever comes across my path? So let's jump into those people, the, the tax collectors and the sinners. So these are the ones that were gathering around Jesus. I kind of love this picture that they'd, they'd sought him out. I don't know what context it's in, but they found him and they're with him and they've obviously heard this guy's willing to talk to us. This guy's willing to spend time with us and he's actually going to teach us. Not only that, but he's going to accept us into his space, into his presence so that we can engage with him. The tax collectors were hated because they were kind of horrible people. Let's, let's be real. They, they were willing to do whatever they could to get a leg up themselves 
and to, to get themselves ahead. And, and this is why everyone despised them. The Romans despised them. The Jews despised them. All people despised them. They were considered the worst of the worst. And these are the ones that, that Jesus invited to come and sit with him. These are the ones that Jesus invited to come and dine with him. John 3.16 I'm sure you've heard the verse before, but don't ever lose the power of this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever. This is the whoever in action. That whoever comes to him, whoever sits with him, whoever engages with him and attaches their life to him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, it's, it's clear that Jesus was responsible for drawing these people in. He drew them into himself. And, and this is where I want to get tonight. This is, this is why we know that we're loved. Because he's so willing to draw us in. His life, his presence, it brings you in close. And it's there that we find transformation. You know, so often we think that the grace of God is on offer when we turn around. We think that when we repent... God will become gracious. But the picture we have of the shepherd is so much more beautiful than that. You see, he's not just a God that exercises grace. He is grace. He is gracious. In everything he does, he wants to execute his grace. He wants to, he wants to outwork his grace in our own lives. And this is what's so beautiful about the way that Jesus searches for us. And, and I just want to let you know tonight, even if when I read that you think of yourself as the 99, um, I want to let you know that there's power in being the one and that at any one point you can become lost. And I'm not saying go and become lost, but I would say all of us at some point have been lost. Whether we know it or not, we've been lost. There's a, there's a special place um, with blue and yellow logo named Ikea that is the absolute motherland for being lost. They, they do this very cleverly because they've designed their shops with a thousand little turns in weird directions and no windows. This is how they do it to us. No windows. And so you'll be walking through this shop and without even knowing, you are lost. And this is how you know they're not on commission because they don't go, can I help you? They stand there and they look busy constantly and you just have to find your way through this maze because they understand at some point, you're going to find a storage solution that's going to change your life. <laughs> They're very clever. But this is one of the most important things, I think, for us to remember about being lost. Half the time, we don't even know we're lost. We don't even realise that we've wandered off. We don't even realise that the flock is over there. And through curiosity, through time, through whatever it is, we've wandered off. And we've found ourselves out in the middle of nowhere... And I kind of feel like even in this parable, I don't reckon that sheep knew it was lost, but the shepherd knew it was lost. And the shepherd was willing to go after that sheep. And this is what's so beautiful about Jesus. He is chasing us down. Just like we sung in that thing, no shadow, not all those lyrics. I was going to try to remember them, but I'm, this is why I could never lead worship. That's, I mean, also, I can't sing, but also the forgetting lyrics. But there's, there's nowhere he won't go in pursuing you. There's nowhere he won't go to bring you back. And not to take you back to the flock, but to take you home. To take you home and rejoice with his friends. And, and this is such a beautiful thing because 
even if you don't know you're lost, he's coming after you. And, and I feel like this is a really, uh, as if the team wants to come and join me, this is a really beautiful picture of repentance. You see, so often with repentance, it, there's almost this, um, all of this willpower needed to turn from what we were doing to him and to turn back to him and go, I'm with you again and I'm walking in your way. But I actually really love this picture of repentance, that a sheep is passive in this whole situation. They're not doing anything except wandering off. But the shepherd, the shepherd is chasing you down. The shepherd is coming to meet you and find you wherever you are. And I kind of picture in that moment when the shepherd calls out, because all sheep have names, surely he would call out the sheep's name. He would call out the name. Um, yeah, I was going to try to think of a name, but I couldn't. <laughs> Lammy, there we go, nailed it. And in that moment, all the sheep has to do is turn and look at the shepherd. And the moment that sheep sees the shepherd, that's a lot of the time when that sheep knows it's lost. And then there's one other action the sheep has to do, and that's not struggle. It's such a beautiful picture of of Jesus and the shepherd picking up that sheep, putting it on his shoulders and carrying it back to his home. And this is what repentance is. Repentance is seeing your shepherd that has sought you out, that has searched for you, that has, that has searched high and low, searched the valleys, the mountaintops, the shrubbery, the creeks, all of it has been looking for you, finds you, calls your name, and then in a moment places you on his shoulders and carries you home. This is what's so beautiful about our Saviour and our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that is chasing us down. He is the one that is searching us out. And he's also the one that carries us home. And this is why I love being a Christian. This is why I love that we get to live this life of faith. Because absolutely, we've got a role to play. Don't hear when I say passive that that we have no role to play. But if you're feeling lost, that's okay. You don't have to find your way back. I think that's really what I want to let you know tonight. You don't have to try to find your way back. Because your shepherd has been searching you out and he's ready to carry you home. And I think that if you're feeling lost, maybe another way of saying that is maybe you're feeling lonely. Maybe you're feeling like you're out on your own and and you don't know how you've ended up there. Life's just kind of thrown you all these curves and you've just been kind of going along with with the flow of things and, and all of a sudden you've woken up and you're looking around and you're going, where is everybody? I'm I'm by myself. I'm out here on my own and, and I'm feeling kind of lonely and kind of lost and, and like I don't have a place. I want to let you know your shepherd is searching you out and his eyes are firmly fixed on you and he wants to carry you back and rejoice. That word rejoice, it's, um, it's kind of beautiful. Within these parables, it's the only time that, that the word kara or joy is attached to our heavenly father, attached to the heavenly. And this is the only time that that he rejoices is when a sinner comes home. When someone who is lost gets brought back into the family. And so tonight, really simply, I just want to let you know, your shepherd wants to carry you home. If you're feeling out there, you're feeling lost, you're feeling like you don't know where your life's going, you feel stuck, you feel lonely. He's ready to place you on his shoulders and carry you back home. Or maybe tonight, as I shared around the Pharisees, you, you kind of, You've fallen into the trap of trying to keep yourself clean, trying to keep yourself pure, 
trying to keep yourself everything you think you should be. And in doing that, you've actually excluded yourself from the very thing we're all called to do, and that's reach everyone around us and share the love of Christ with all of those around us. I want to invite you to just to lay that down tonight and just know that, that our shepherd is with you, that he's walking along beside you, and that he is also searching for you. Even if you feel like it's by your strength and that, that maybe you don't need a shepherd, he's there for you and he wants to invite you back into your family. We hope this message encouraged or perhaps even challenged you in your Christian faith. Our pastors meet regularly with people to pray and support them and we extend this invitation to you. Please let us know if we can contact you to offer support. Simply call the office or visit nexuschurch.com.au.